So this morning, we're beginning uh, a series on boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. boundaries. And uh, kind of some exciting news. Last week, I said that this was going to be a two-week mini-series. And, uh, and I was planning on having two weeks, you know, and then Thanksgiving break. We won't have service on the 27th. Um, and then three weeks in December, where we focus on a Christmas series, right? But over the course of the last week, I've had conversations with some of you, and uh, you know, the interactions that I've had really, I think, have, have underscored the point that we need to really sit in this thing. We need to let this breathe a little bit, um, that this topic is really important to us as young adults. And so instead of two weeks, we're going to have a five-week series on boundaries um, that I think is going to be really great. I'm really excited about. Uh, it's going to just give us more time to just sit into it, you know? And uh, we're going to begin it this morning. And a lot of the material that we talk through is co- going to come from the book, Boundaries. How many of you guys own this book? Show of hands. Okay, some of you. So um, I would strongly, strongly, highly recommend that each and every one of you pick up this book, Boundaries. It's by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Uh, we have it in the New Life bookstore, and I, I want to encourage you, pick this up if you can. It's like eight bucks. Um, read it as we're going through this series. Really process what it means for you, what specific boundaries look like for you, um, and this is going to be one of the best eight bucks you've ever spent in your life. I would strongly recommend it. Pick up boundaries, and I want to encourage you throughout this series to continue to lean in, continue to listen for what the Lord uh, would speak to us and speak to you specifically, because this is going to be a very practical very hands-on, I think very pertinent topic that we'll be talking about in Boundaries. So um, with that, I want to go to Proverbs 4.20 through 23. This is going to be our text for this morning, and over the course of this series, we're going to continue to be coming back to this verse, this passage, and here's what it says. It says, my child... Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning humbled. We come to you this morning expectant. We come to you this morning right now asking that you would speak. God, we are in need of a word from you. We are in need of water for our souls. In our lives, we can, we can run and we can be busy and we can be engaged in all these things, but, but God, it can be so easy to not stop and rest, and sit, and hear from you, and drink deep of your well for us. So Holy Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. We ask that you would speak life, speak truth. We ask that you would illuminate these ideas of boundaries in our lives, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me this morning. I confess that I don't have the ability to speak forth the words of truth and life. I confess that I don't have the words, but Holy Spirit, you do. And so I ask that the the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you and that you would speak to us this morning in the variety of our circumstances. 
and we commit to doing all that you would say to us this morning. And we thank you, and we pray that you would bless this. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, can I, uh, can I get turned down a little bit? I feel like I'm, I'm feeding back a bit my deep, soulful voice. I know, it's wrecks the mic a little bit. <clears throat> well, uh, this morning, I really want to lay the groundwork a little bit with this topic. Uh, we could quickly jump in, and we can talk specific issues and specific areas in which we can set up boundaries, but, but instead, before doing that, I want to lay the groundwork, lay the foundation, establish the framework that we will build off of in the coming weeks. And so this morning, we're going to be asking and answering two questions. Number one, what are boundaries? And number two, why do we need them? And, and in, in answering these questions, I think it's going to set us up in a good place to then, in the coming weeks, really dig and get our hands dirty in the deep issues, and the personal issues. How to have boundaries in relationships and friendships. How to have boundaries with our family. Does such a thing exist? How to have boundaries in our romantic relationships. Even how to have boundaries in our time management. As we do school and work and are balancing all these different plates in life, what does it look like to have boundaries in our time? And so we're going to build the foundation this morning, and uh, I think we're going to build off of it in a really, really fun and impactful way in the coming weeks. But when I think about this idea of boundaries, I think of a little movie I like to call The Sandlot. Any Sandlot fans in the house? 90s kids, woo, come on. And I think about boundaries relating to the Sandlot, because in the Sandlot, the movie is, is all about these kids who were playing baseball in this dirt patch, right? And they're just boys being boys, and they're getting dirty, and they're playing baseball, and they're in this fence line, and, and they're having fun. But then at the very end of the Sandlot, behind a fence is the beast, this mammoth of a dog, right? Hercules is his real name. I mean, if that tells you anything. He's this massive, massive dog. And they call him the beast. And, and the whole movie kind of operates around this tension of if at any point in time the beast breaks through the fence line, then these kids are done for. Their baseballs are going to get eaten. They're going to get mauled. They're going to get chased down the street by this dog, which actually happens to somebody in the movie. And so it's this tension of if at any point in time the fence, the boundary line gives out, then this beast is coming after these kids. And, uh, and I don't want to take it too deep, but I think that this can be kind of a fun metaphor for our, our series and this idea of boundaries. Because God desires and even calls us in our lives to set up boundaries, to set up that fence line, to keep the things out that would seek to attack what's inside the fence. You know, and, and, and the good thing about boundaries is it, it establishes the fence line to keep the baseballs in and the beasts out. And so as we set up boundaries, um, they, they protect what needs to be protected and separate what needs to be separated from. And so as we seek to define exactly what boundaries are, I want to I give a soft definition here. And I want to suggest that boundaries are intentionally built invisible property lines that guard the pastures of your life. Boundaries are intentionally built invisible property lines that guard the pastures of your life. Again, this is a soft definition, but I want to hone in on a couple things with this. First, 
Boundaries are intentionally built. You know, good, strong, effective boundaries in our life don't happen by accident. Regardless of what area we set them up in, they kind of just don't happen. You don't all of a sudden have this, this fence that protects you from things accidentally, but instead it's this intentional uh, choice that we must make to establish boundaries in our lives. And the second thing I want to hone in on is their invisible property lines, uh, plural. Lines, meaning each of us have, if we're going with this uh, metaphor, this pasture of our lives. And yes, we, we live in this, this pasture where we operate in our lives, but there are different areas within each pasture of our lives that need to be boundaried in different ways. So you have the relational side of your life. Friendships need to have different boundaries than a romantic relationship. And that relationship needs to be boundary different than it does with your family and with your school and with your work. You see, there's different boundaries that we establish for different parts of our lives. And so um, they're invisible property lines known to you, things that you intentionally set up to protect yourselves. And what it really comes down to is that in our lives, within every pasture, within every area of our lives, God has given us things to be responsible for. He's stewarded us with things. He's entrusted us with things. He's, uh, he's given us jobs that he's called us to be faithful in. He's given us school that he's called us to be diligent in. He, he's given us uh, physical, emotional, even mental health that he's called us to maintain and to look after. And so all these different things are given to us by God that we are to protect and that we are to keep safe. And so we see actually that boundaries is a bit of a stewardship issue. That there's a spiritual principle at work here. That if in fact we are entrusted and given these responsibilities and given these gifts and given these things by God, then he calls us to guard them and to not treat them as unnecessary and do not treat them with contempt, but to, but to be diligent in surrounding them with appropriate boundaries to keep the baseballs in and the beasts out, to keep the things out that would seek to come against and attack those things and compromise those things that the Lord has given us. And we see this principle play out in 2 Timothy 1.14. This is the Apostle Paul talking to young, young Timothy arguably days, even weeks before the Apostle Paul's um, death and murder, as a lot of scholars estimate. But here's what it says. It says, Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, here it is, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You see, Paul had passed down to Timothy this apostolic doctrine, this, these sound teachings from Jesus. That, that The apostle Paul had received these immense and deep revelations from God about the church and about the Christian life and about the reality in which we live now that we are sons and daughters of God bought back, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He, he has all these words of doctrine that he's given to Timothy, who is now pastoring the church in Ephesus. And so he's saying, Timothy, I've given this to you, now guard it. 
Keep it safe. It's yours now. Make, I'm about to die. Make sure you keep that safe. Because in Timothy's day, there were false teachers and false doctrines that were pervading the early church. And a lot of these false teachers were trying to negate and come against and attack the doctrine that the Apostle Paul had passed down to Timothy. And, and we see Gnosticism rising early, uh, well, actually late in the first century. We, we see uh, Arianism. We see these different heresies pervade the church. And Paul, in light of these false teachers and false doctrines, is saying, no, 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 Timothy, you have been given sound doctrine. You have been given something from me, so guard it, protect it, keep it safe. And obviously, as we read this, the Apostle Paul most likely didn't have this idea of boundaries in mind when he wrote it. I think it would be a stretch for us to assume that. But instead, I think it serves as a metaphor that we've been entrusted with things by God. That, that things have been passed down to us by God. Our jobs, our relationships, even our family. You know, as dysfunctional as some of these things may be, they've been passed down by God. And we've been called and, and, and uh, chosen to steward them and to protect them and to surround them. And just as the false teachers were attacking the, the doctrine and the deposit that Timothy had received, so things can come against us and attack us and seek to wiggle their way into our lives and, and compromise the things that God has given us. So we're called to guard and to protect, and to set up things that are necessary to, to keep guard over the things that we've been entrusted with. And so again, we see it's a stewardship issue. And we protect what needs to be protected, and we keep out what needs to be kept out. Now, let me, let me, let me get real with this thing. In my personal life, uh, I'll use me as an example, um, I am responsible for when I go home after work, obviously I'm responsible for you and for New Life Young Adults and for pastoring and all that. But when I go home, I'm responsible for three things. I'm responsible for JC, my wife. I'm responsible for Rush Michael Caldwell, my baby boy, who is now walking and getting into things and throwing fits. We were those parents in Target yesterday where Rush was on the ground like screaming, ah! The entire time, we're like, oh, dear God, what are we going to do? Who are we? We're too young for this. And so, I, so I'm stewarded with JC, with Rush, and then God has also called me to continue to pursue higher education, to, to go on and get degrees in theology and, and better equip myself to preach and teach and to uh, pastor effectively. So I'm responsible for those three things. Now, when I go home— I make sure that boundaries are in place to protect those things. Why? Again, because God has stewarded those things to me and given those things to me. And so therefore, if I'm going to be a good steward and a responsible follower of Jesus Christ, I need to protect those things. Because again, faithful with little, faithful with what? Much. So if I want to advance at all in my life, if I want to have a good relationship with JC, if I want to be a good father, if I want to grow as a pastor and as a teacher and grow in these areas of my life, grow in knowledge, then I need to be faithful with the little God has given me so that I can be proven faithful with much. And that's where boundaries come in. So I, I go home, and the boundaries I have set in place are um, a couple things. One, I don't tend to schedule things throughout the week, during weeknights. And if at any given point in time, somebody calls me up and is like, yo, let's hit up Fuzzy's Tacos. Come on, let's get our taco on. Let's chow down, let's eat. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. 
You know, I, I'm, I'm actually with my family tonight. I can't do it. Or, yo, let's see Doctor Strange. That movie looks freaking whack. I'm not going to go see that. And uh, I'm going to say, hey, I'm sorry. That sounds fun. It, it kind of sounds fun tripping out to Doctor Strange and looking at all these weird things and eating tacos and all that. That sounds great. Yes, I would love to do it, but I can't do it tonight. And I can't do it this week because I have a commitment to my family. And so I make sure that those boundaries are not intruded. Now, obviously, if something comes up in my life and if somebody is going through a crisis, if one of you calls me up and you're like, gosh, hey, I am dealing with this, 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 and this, well, then there's, there might be a little flexibility there, you know? And then conversation would have to happen with JC, and there, there'd be a certain set of processes that I go through to make sure that we do that. But I set those up so that I best steward JC, Rush, and my education. Another thing I do is I, I go home and as best as I possibly can, and consistently as I possibly can, disconnect. Um, I take my phone and I put it upstairs, or I put it on the countertop, on silent, put it away, and don't touch it for the majority of the night. I don't get on social media, I don't text, I don't check emails, nothing. I just put it away and try my best to have focused time. Because after all, if I set up all these boundaries and I'm spending time with JC and Rush and I'm on my phone all night, well, it's kind of counterproductive, you know, it defeats the purpose. So I disconnect and I I try and boundary myself so that these relationships and this calling to education can be protected. Does that make sense? So that's kind of in action what it looks like for me. But again, it comes down to the protection issue. Because if I'm too soft with the boundaries that I set up, and if I just say yes to everything, and I can't learn to say the curse word no, then my relationship with JC and Rush is quickly going to go downhill. And I'm going to be that absent father that's trying to work things out and trying to do things well. But the fact is, I don't have the appropriate boundaries that are set in place to set me up for success and to protect that which I have been entrusted with. Is this making sense? Is this? Okay. So that's, uh, that's kind of what boundaries are. That's what they look like. And again, we'll, we'll continue to dig into this idea in the coming weeks, but this is just... Um, you know, generally what they look like. Now, what do boundaries do? Why do we need boundaries? What's the need for boundaries? Well, we've already addressed that boundaries help protect us and they help keep safe what God has stewarded us. But I want to argue and suggest that boundaries also protect our physical, mental, and emotional health. That there's a different thing at work. Yes, there's a stewardship issue, but there's also a protection of your own life issue. And uh, I think we see this principle at work the clearest in the book of Nehemiah. And many of us know the story of Nehemiah, but essentially, Nehemiah is a story about Nehemiah. Deep, huh? And Nehemiah is this cupbearer to um, this Persian king, King Artaxerxes. And... uh, And the Israelites have been carried away into exile a couple hundred years earlier. And the people who have overrun them, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, have been overthrown by the Persian Empire. And so now all of a sudden, the Israelites, though they were under Babylonian and Assyrian rule, now they're suddenly under Persian rule. Wait, what's happening here? And so... Nehemiah comes and he's this cupbearer. He gets promoted to this this position of cupbearer to the king of Persia, and he hears that the walls of Jerusalem have been broken down. 
and that's his home, right? So he mourns, and he's sad, and the king sees that he's mourning, and he asks why. And so after a turn of events, and after conversations with the king, Nehemiah is commissioned by the king to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so he goes, and he's given money, and he's given lumber, and he's given everything he needs, and he goes to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that were destroyed. And so Nehemiah begins progress on this wall, and then all of a sudden, three homeboys roll up, and they start talking smack, and they start getting in Nehemiah's face, and and they start trying to distract Nehemiah from the work. And, and they try and put this work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem to a halt. And we see this interaction grow and escalate and escalate and escalate. And then finally it comes to a climax in Nehemiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together. Yo, let's grab some loyal coffee. Let's get some Buffalo Wild Wings. Let's see a movie. Let's hang in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and sip on Joe with you? Heck no. I'm not coming down to you. And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. Kind of some sass you hear from Nehemiah. I answered them in the same manner four times. And so we see that these three guys, I'm not going to go through the names because I probably mispronounced them anyway, These three guys are coming against Nehemiah, and they're trying to distract him from building this wall. And now they're actually planning on killing him. They've set up a trap. Uh, They're thinking, dude, there's no way this guy's going to turn down loyal coffee. I mean, have you had that stuff? Man, come on. Stuff's good. He's coming down. And then when he comes down, we're going to kill him. But Nehemiah has set up boundaries. Nehemiah is committed to the work that he's been given, And he's not flexible, and he's not saying, yeah, I guess I could use a cup of joe. I guess I could come hang. Like the Plain of Ono, that's kind of a sweet spot. Like I can get my tan on. You know, even at this farmer's tan I got going, let's do it. Let's hang. But instead, Nehemiah says, hey, no, I'm committed to this work. And and yeah, you may want to hang out and get together, but I'm not coming off of this wall because I've been chosen and commissioned and called by God to rebuild these walls, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. You see, Nehemiah had boundaries in his life. He was committing and protecting what God had given him to do. And the significant thing that I want to point out here is that boundaries not only kept Nehemiah focused on what he was supposed to do, not only did they keep him uh, protected— the, the, the work itself, we talked about that, the stewardship of it, but they also protected Nehemiah's very life. Because in those setting up of boundaries, Nehemiah said, no, I'm not going to go. And, and whether he was keen and knew that an ambush was waiting for him or not, which scripture alludes to the fact that he did, his boundaries actually protected his very life. And because he said, I'm not going to go down, I'm committed to this work, I'm going to do this, no. Sorry, I got boundaries. I'm going to say no. Everybody say that. No. It's a big word we need to learn. 
Because he set up boundaries and because he was committed to the boundaries that he had set up and committed to the work that God had given him, he actually was protected. His very life was saved. He was protected from the ambush. And and could God, would God have sovereignly and miraculously protected Jeremiah if he would have gone down? Potentially, maybe, possibly. But I think that's speculating at best. Um, I, I think that that gets us away from the point that Nehemiah's boundaries were the things that protected him, and that God actually used those boundaries that, Jer- or that Nehemiah set up to protect him and to guard him and to um, surround him and, and guard his life. And so I want to suggest that the boundaries we set up in our lives serve as God's protection for our lives. The boundaries that we set up in our lives serve as God's protection for our lives. When we set up boundaries, when we set up things in our lives and we're able to say no to things and we protect and we guard the things that God's entrusted to us, we are protecting actually ourselves. And that's God's way of keeping us and protecting us and guarding our our body, our health, guarding our minds, guarding our emotional health because of the boundaries we set up. You see, I I think we can tend to think of God's protection as this miraculous supernatural thing where, you know, when you're about to get wounded or when you're you're about to get hurt or whatever, whatever situation you want to play out, we, we see it as this supernatural God intervening and snatching you up and saving us from these things. But I think in Scripture, actually, more often we see God using the natural to protect his people. And really, we see God using the natural to accomplish supernatural purposes. I'm going to prove it to you. Let's go to Proverbs 4.23. We looked at this earlier. This is our key verse. 4.23, the last verse we read. It says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. In other words, you guard your heart, Solomon's saying. You guard your heart. Don't operate under the assumption that God is going to be this helicopter father, you know, that, that is constantly, key. oh, no, 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 don't get her here, don't get her here. No, 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 oh, I'm going to protect you here. Now, obviously, our lives and our, our health and all of that, on a big scale, yes, we're, we're dependent upon God to protect us because really, at the end of the day, we can't save our own lives. Does that make sense? But in in the microcosms of our lives, God isn't just going to helicopter around us and be this overprotective father because he's a good father. And that's not an attribute of a good father, being overly protective and, 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 and overly guarding your kid. Instead, he's saying, you guard your heart. I'm going to be with you And I'm going to help you, but you guard your heart. And as you do that, those boundaries that you put in place, I am going to use for your protection. I'm going to take the natural of your life and use it for supernatural purposes. Use it for supernatural protection. And throughout scripture, we see this principle. We we see God using the natural and and accomplishing supernatural purposes through it. Let's take Naaman, for example. Naaman, this dude was ridden with leprosy. And he goes... And the prophet Elijah tells him what? Go dip in the river, the Jordan River, this nasty mud hole Pueblo reservoir of a river. And and don't just dip yourself once. Dip yourself seven times, okay? Seven times, and then you're going to be healed. Could God have miraculously healed him instantaneously? Absolutely. We see that in the ministry of Jesus. That happens from time to time. We see that today. But 
He tells Naaman, dip seven times and you'll be healed. What does Naaman does? He throws a fit. He, he throws a fit. He throws himself on the ground. He starts crying. He says, what the heck is, why? The Jordan River, can, can I just take a bath? Can't you just, what the heck? The Jordan? Pueblo Reservoir, what? And, but he dips himself seven times and he comes up and what happens? He is healed. Let's take the boy with the five loaves and two fish. Could Jesus have brought bread down from the sky and fish down and fed everybody miraculously? Yes, he could have, but he didn't. He chose the boy with the five loaves and two fish to bring him something natural, to offer him something tangible, something that was from his hands, and Jesus took that and broke it and multiplied it to feed the multitudes. Even the incarnation itself is God working the natural for the supernatural. Could God have snapped his fingers and miraculously restored mankind to himself? Yes, he could have. Could he have breathed, said one word, and then all of a sudden thousands of years of sin were erased and mankind was suddenly restored into a right relationship with God and made pure? Yes, he could have, but he didn't. He chose to use a man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the natural And yes, though he was fully God, he was fully man. Scripture is explicit about that. And so we see God using once again, really the the climax of all of Scripture, the pinnacle of human history, using Jesus, this man, to accomplish supernatural purposes. It's God taking the natural and using it supernaturally. And boundaries works the exact same way. When we set up boundaries in our lives— and when we don't assume, oh, God, God's going God's to guard my heart. God's going to guard my mind. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this on the computer tonight. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interact in this relationship with this girl or this boy. But, but God, will, God will guard my mind. My heart's going to be protected. No, God says, you guard your heart. And by you guarding your heart, you will step into my divine and sovereign protection for you. And so when I'm sitting with people... And when they're saying, man, I just broke up with this girl. Why am I so broken? Why, why can I not get over this? Why am I in this excruciating pain and it feels like life isn't worth living anymore? Well, it's simple. You've been dating her for a month. You unguarded your heart. You didn't set up good boundaries. So yeah, of course, when you break up, you're going to be hurt. Or, or, or people who say, man, I'm so tired and I'm so burnt out all the time. Like, I just, I want to give up on life. Like, I I just don't want to do anything. I want to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and and watch, you know, Broncos highlights. I don't know, Peyton Manning throwing his 50th touchdown. I don't know. Bad example, but there's, man, I'm so burned out. Why am I so burned out? Well, it's simple. It's because you're working 29 hours a week. You're going to school for 18 credit hours. You have a girlfriend that you're trying to, please, and trying to move forward with. And, you know, of course you're burned out. You have all these things in your life that are pressing down on you. Give yourself some margin. You don't have a Sabbath. You don't have a day where you can just rest and relax and be with the Lord and not work. Of course you're burned out. Or or check this out. All of us can relate to this. Why am I so discouraged in my walk with God? Why does it feel like God is distant? Why do I feel dry Why does God feel like he's a million miles away? Well, it's simple. It's because you haven't set up the boundaries in your mornings to take time and to spend with the Lord. You haven't made it a consistent practice. You haven't boundaried that time and made sure that you're in the word and in prayer every single day. So naturally, God's going to feel far away. And actually, God's not far away. You're 
losing recognition of his nearness. Because God's never far away. God's with us. God's an imminent God. We just lose uh, sight and perspective on the nearness of God because we're drifting. So establish the boundaries in your mornings. Make sure that you're diligent in making a rhythm of your life, spending time with him, and you won't feel dry. Now, there may be seasons, but for the most part, you're going to be protected. You're going to sense God's nearness and his presence throughout your life. So the thing I'm getting at is in all these cases, I believe God is saying, you don't have my protection because you haven't set up boundaries. And you can cry out to me, and you can pray, and you can pray, and you can pray, but it doesn't change the fact that you need to guard your heart. You set things up, and by doing that, I will protect you. I think we can put too much on God sometimes. I think he's calling us to take responsibility and ownership of our lives. And by us saying, oh, God will guard my mind, God will guard my heart, I think it's a cop-out. I think it's weak. And I think it goes against what Scripture teaches us. So guard your heart. We have a responsibility. God uses these boundaries we set in place. You know, not spending time with our girlfriend past 12 a.m., past midnight, past 11. God's going to use that. You know, having time for school, the cutoff is 6 o'clock, and then you have some time, some margin to breathe. Or if you can't do that, having a Sabbath. God's going to use that. He's going to breathe life into that. He's going to bless that. He's going to see your boundaries and use them for your health. Guard your heart. Set up boundaries. Put them in place so that God can use them for your protection. And so as we close, I, I want... I want us to reflect on our lives. I want us to just take a second and pause and and think about what we've just heard and think about the specific areas in our lives. We're going to take some time over the course of this series and make space. And yes, we'll discuss and yes, we'll go through it, but I think it's very important to make this thing real and, and think about that area of your life where you're struggling and where you don't have appropriate boundaries. And so I want us to just close our eyes real quick for a second. And I want you to think. The word of the Lord has been spoken. The seed is on the soil of your heart. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to respond? Are you going to say yes? Are you going to put it into practice and action? Or are you going to let it be snatched up? Is there going to be fruit produced or is there not? And I want to ask you, what areas of your life are you being a poor steward of what God has given you responsibility for? What areas are you unprotected? Are you unguarded? What areas have you even been wounded? You, your, your heart's been clipped. You're, you're, you have an inward wound because of the lack of boundaries or protection. Good news is, is that it's never too late. As long as you've got breath in your lungs, it's not too late to set up boundaries. And as long as you've got breath in your lungs, God can heal you. That though there may have been a negligence of boundaries and, and protecting yourself and what God's given you, it's never too late for God to heal you. So I want to encourage you right now, before we pray together, just in your own words, just start talking to the Lord. Confess those areas of wounds that have arisen because of a lack of boundaries. Confess those areas where you've been negligent, where you've been a poor steward of the areas of your life. We all can relate. We're all there. And ask him to lead you in the way everlasting. Ask him to guide you. Ask him to give you the wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, James 1.5 says, let him ask of God and it will be given to you liberally, freely. Ask for wisdom.
Lord, here we are. We confess that we are fallen. We confess that we're sinful. We confess that in the busyness of our lives, it can become so easy to fail to set up boundaries. And God, we can even overlook the necessity for them. We can think that they're a luxury and not a necessity, but the reality is that you call us in your word to set up boundaries, for us to guard our heart, for us to put things in place that can be used as your protection. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would convict us. I ask that you would guide us into all truth. God, I pray that as we discuss and as we think on these ideas and make these real, I pray that you would give us things to live and act out on. God, let these not be a series of messages that we just breeze through and say, oh yeah, that feels good, that sounds good, but Lord, let it be alive in us. Let us be doers of the word so that we don't deceive ourselves. God, let us be doers and put your word into practice, and I thank you that as we do that, your protection surrounds us. Thank you that we are guarding the deposit that you've entrusted to us, and we're keeping safe your, uh, the responsibilities and the, the gifts that you've given us. So Lord, I pray, would you speak to us? Would you help us unpack these ideas and discussions? And we give you all praise and glory for any fruit that it bears. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, well, let's get real with this thing, shall we? Uh, we got some questions up. Feel free. Don't rush through them. Don't breeze through them. Don't feel like you got to hit them all. But um, talk through them, nuance them, and enjoy discussion at your tables. All right? God bless you guys as you discuss. All right, everybody. Hey, hey, give me some feedback. Was this helpful at all? It was? This was helpful? Okay. I'm really looking forward to, to digging into this thing in the coming weeks. Uh, again, I want you to know this wasn't a holistic message this morning. It was an introductory message. And so uh, for those of you who are thinking, ah, but what about this dating relationship? How do I set out boundaries there? What about this friendship? Like, how do, how do I do that? We're going to get to that. We're going to dig into all that in the coming weeks. We're going to talk specific topics for the next four weeks. Um, so keep coming. Keep digging in. It's going to be a fun series. But glad to hear this was helpful. Uh, let's stand and do our benediction. And it's, it's going to be Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. I think fitting for us to read this together. So let's, uh, let's pray these words. Let's, let's speak them as truth and declare them over our lives. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And yeah, that's right. I said Barty. You heard me. All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. May you live this week. Boundary, let you grow in the grace of God in all things. And I pray that you would be protected in all you do in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.